to. Yeah, nah, look. The Aussie Rules podcast. It's uh, round three episode. We just had round two, correct? We did. We had the thing. Hello, uh, everybody. Hello. Round two. Bonjour. Uh, and a, a big round. A big round it was. We had the uh, grand final rematch and a few other things go on. So, hello, both of you. Paul and Risa here. Or Croft and Paul. <laughs> Dicko is still in Japan. He spent all day yesterday lining up for lines for to go on rides at <laughs> Universal or something. You're lining up for lines. That's how bad it was. Um, so he's still got Paul here, just doing his thing. His his hand has recovered from his injury, but he's still just slacking off, slacking it, slacking it up. All the above. Uh, all right. So we'll do quickly some news. There's not really, you know, we don't care about the news. few things brad brad hill's gonna miss next week he hurt his knee in the fair game he came back on but apparently he's gonna miss at least one week sean Berglund's gonna miss a game for the first time in about 10 years no not really i think he's played 100 games in a row or some something like that there are about so, 30 broken legs in one game he's done the string and yeah i've written down here in the news a couple of broken legs there's there was a couple of broken legs just a couple uh, timmy broomhead just feel so bad for He's him. He's going to have to use the rest of the broom to splint his leg together because he broke it. <laughs> I feel so bad for him because he wasn't supposed to be there. He was a late inclusion. And he and had an no chance exclusion. of soccering that goal through. <laughs> Zero chance of soccering that goal See through. you later, Data. And then uh, old running machine, Tim, Tom Scully. What's his name? Tom Tim, Scully. Tim, Tim, Tom, Tom Scully. He's, what's he going to do? Running's his, his uh, favorite pastime. And now he can't. So unlucky there. Although, apparently, he might not miss the entire season somehow. I don't know. But we'll see. Broken legs are pretty... Can have complications. Maybe because he runs so much, he'll just run on a broken leg and recover yeah. it. Well, I mean, if he can get over I think mostly it's like a confidence thing. So well, he doesn't run Once he recovers... Face. He doesn't run on his face. Uh, so, with that being said, we're going to have a slightly different format today where we're going to... Uh, again. We're going to have yeah. some topics yeah, that yeah, we discuss rather than doing the full round results and review. We're going to put a little poll up on our social media. So if you're listening, get onto the poll and vote for the reasons why you listen to the podcast. So we know what you guys want us to keep and what you guys want us to lose in terms of the way we're delivering each week. Do you want us to do the in-depth review of each game or do you want the more shorter, concise podcast where we maybe just tackle a couple of topics and gloss over the rest of the things? So get onto our social media and vote so that we know if you don't vote, we're just going to do whatever we want every week. We're going to just be rolling out something new. We might just have a, do a soccer podcast one week and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So vote. And speaking of votes, the coaches' votes. So Richmond Adelaide, Rory Laird got the 10 chocolates there. Joshy Jenkins and Dustin Martin split the seven. Uh, North Melbourne and St Kilda, big Benny Brown got the 10 coaches' votes there. The chocolates, big time chocolatier. Just what a good looking guy. Carlton and Gold Coast, Tommy Lynch took the uh the chocolates as well as Carlton's dignity uh Collingwood and GWS Stephen Canelio got the 10 chocolates there Brisbane and Melbourne Jesse Hogan got nine Clayton Oliver got eight uh Fremantle and Essendon Nathan Wilson got the 10 got the got the chocolates the full Cadbury Razors and that five got eight Bulldogs and West Coast Shannon Hearn the captain Shannon Hearn <laughs> he got the chocolates 10 votes there a lot of tenors this week Ollie Wines got nine for Port Adelaide against the Swans, and Tom Mitchell got ten. The ten he got the full chocolates again, racking up 
about 300 possessions. I think Shannon, Shannon Hearn was on 19 possessions at 100% disposal efficiency. He just loves point. to kick Should the I? ball. He just, just kicks it kicks it right out, of, right out of town. And now, more importantly than the coaches' votes, we're going to do our votes for the round. Yeah, so These, these are the big important. ones. Nobody cares uh, about the coaches. Who, Croft, are you, have yeah, you got yeah. yours ready yeah, to go? Go. 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 Uh, five, uh, sorry, one vote goes to Rory Led. Your man? Yeah, I don't like him. I don't know why. <laughs> Two votes to Nathan Wilson. Oh, Willow. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Yeah. I liked watching him. The dash off halfback. Yeah, he's good. I like him. Uh, three votes to Stephen Caniglio. Or Caniglio. You Canelli said his name wrong. Caniglio after uh, and Four votes to Tom Lynch. Lynch. For his bag. Even though I, I don't know about that one because Carlton really gave them gave him those goals on a silver platter, uh, and five votes to Tom Mitchell. Okay, couple of couple of Toms, top Toms, Paul, um, Pooge. Mine's very similar. Um, oh. I didn't I didn't watch this game, so I gave him a one. Nathan Wilson, because you know apparently I questioned it, and you guys shut me down in front. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rory Laird, my man, because I like him. Lady, fuck you, Adam. Um, Stephen. Caniglio arthritis, our man. Yeah. Um, and Tom, I got Tom Mitchell for four, and yeah. Tom Lynch for five. Oh, couple same, of Toms. Same number. Ba- round one. Round one yeah, logic. Yeah, Possessions is one thing, but goals is goals. Yeah. If he actually did, if he did, an eight stack if on he, someone, if somebody actually had played on him and he still kicked eight goals, then I would give him the, I'd give him the top votes. But nobody played on yeah, him. Yeah, but so eight if, goals. If he doesn't, surely, if he should have kicked sixteen. Surely after two in. goals, someone should have gone to him. <laughs> yeah. So, not his fault. He capitalized. Just like Tom Mitchell, someone probably could have tagged him after the thirtieth possession, but they didn't. Probably, but I think they were trying to. Stop All right, him, my yeah. votes. Uh, number one, I've gone to Big Josh Leroy Jenkins. He played like a big boy. And he was pretty impactful in that game if you watched it. So that's what I'm going with that one. Number two, same as you guys, I think, Nath Wilson. Well, you had him for one, I think, but whatever. Three, Stephen Canelio. Um, I don't know. He went to the same school as us. <laughs> number four, Tom Mitchell. He's uh, you're racking him up, racking him up. And number five, Tom Lynch. So the same reasons that Paul said the things that he said out loud with his voice. Oh, I did that. <clears throat> okay. Now we'll go on to... Uh, I don't know what we're going to call it. Topics of discussion. Oh, wait. Before we do this, I, we didn't. We haven't had one yet this this season. Oh, yeah. But we've got to do the the first rig of the week. Rig, rig of, of the week. week. And it's going to be our man that we named our Supercoach League after, Fat Willy Rioli. It's you, Willy Rioli. Rig of the week. Rig, rig of, of the week. Rig of the week. He's the first rig of the week winner this year. So, well done, Willie. We'll send you out uh, nothing. A box of chocolates. <laughs> keep, that, keep that rig in order. Uh, I think he played okay, though, Willie. He did. So, good on him. Good on him. Well, he can play a Rio- big fat. He's a Rioli, so he probably got in the coach's list. Oh, anyway. Well, if you ever saw Dean Rioli play, he was probably the last great fat footballer that was just, he was legitimately fat from his whole career and still carved out a good, you know, hundred and something games. So, good on him. Hope Willie's the next one. Our first topic is, is not actually Willie Rioli. It's going to be the, uh, what was it, Thursday night game, the grand final rematch. Grand final rematch. So it was Adelaide and Richmond, in case you didn't know who was in the grand final the year before. And uh, it was an interesting game. Did you guys both witness it? Yeah. I didn't get to see the entire game. I yeah. saw that I had footy as usual. 
but it was an interesting sort of contest. What did you What did you think about it, Paul? Anything grab your eye? Um, basically, as we were discussing on the way to this said podcast, how the NBA season and how people just drop off in playoffs. And what I witnessed was, you know, the big men doing well during a regular season, but they Ooh. did exactly the opposite of what they did last year in the grand final. He's calling them out, not so, being clutch. I wouldn't say that. Just He's saying yeah. that. Okay, fuck it. <laughs> Put them on the same list as Dan Menzel, just not clutch. Well, But no, yeah, it was, a, it was a good game to watch, obviously. I, I tipped Adelaide, so I thought they were going to do something, but it's just a matter of doing that in a big stage. I, I think Adelaide has the better list on paper and probably we would have backed him in to win the grand final. Oh, yeah. I, I think. Well, they were the, they were the favourites. Yeah. They were the favourites. By the bookies. And also um, last year, Richmond were Richmond, so everyone was waiting for them to lose at yeah. any stage. But as it comes down to on grand final day, it's whoever's at their best, and I don't think uh, Adelaide were at their best on the day. I mean, obviously... You know, two games isn't enough. You'd have to do a seven-game series if you really wanted to get a get an idea. But uh, as you can see there, I think the talent, uh, the Adelaide talent, kind of rose to the top there. And um, you know, a few of the well, re- a lot of the Richmond players probably didn't pull their weight. Yeah. Well, looking at it, I mean, normally you would say. If someone said to you, how had the game go? And they, uh, you asked how the game went and they said, oh, Dusty Martin had 25 touches and five goals. You'd say, okay, well, Richmond obviously won. But they weren't even close in the end. Like they, were, they lost by a fair way. So for him to play that well, you'd have to say a lot of other guys didn't really pull their weight. I think by the looks at the end of the game, they were trying to keep Dusty forward because it was their Hail Mary sort of play, but they just weren't getting it inside 50 I think Adelaide, the last part of the game, last five minutes, I think Adelaide was like 13 inside 50s to one or something. So without Dusty in the middle, and that's the great argument that we've had or brought up in previous weeks of, you know, Patrick Cripp, Snap Fife, Dangerfield, Martin, these big midfielders that can go forward is what? how much do you lose by sending them out of the middle? Can you Do you have enough talent to get it down there to them if you're taking them out of the centre? But it tests, and, tests your yeah, midfield depth. Yeah, and I, I think Cochin didn't have a great game. I think it was his 100th uh, game. Rance, Rance basically got shat on in the first half. Like Rance he just got shat on. Five free kicks against him or yeah. something. Yeah. Jenkins played him well. He played him a little bit differently, I think, than normal. Um, but that's the thing. Like, that's the, yeah, your comparison right there is Jenkins has a really, probably the best game he's ever played for Adelaide there, mm. arguably. And he probably had his worst game in the grand final. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing with Adelaide is their forward line, they sort of, they need it on their terms. It's got to be coming in quick. It's got to be coming over the back normally. Uh, whereas Richmond, like their whole thing, the the small mosquito fleet, it doesn't have to come in particularly well. You just need Rewalt to be able to make a contest to bring it to ground and they've got the ground level players. Whereas for Adelaide, they it's got to be delivered a certain way. Jenkins needs it delivered to his advantage. Uh, this game was why it was so great is because he actually won the ball a few times where it wasn't you know perfectly set up for him he wasn't just Joe the goosing it I think that's why a lot of people enjoyed that one yeah. but also Tex Wall kicked four goals and he was trash in the grand final so that was big yeah, that's maker. Yeah. Like the maker other- on the Adelaide side of things as well like they have some debutantes and newish players like Cam Ellis Yeoman uh, Tom Duday players like that even Fogarty looked pretty good even though he only got seven touches yeah. well I mean Fogarty goes out and Lynch comes in and yeah. that's like I mean, you know, Foggy does look good, but he's 
you know, just, just filling. Uh, he's just filling the gap, and he'll de- yeah, he'll yeah. develop, and Lynch will come in, and he obviously give them a lot more. I mean, he's kicked. What just kicked two goals? Yeah, two goals. That's seven. pretty good return. That's, yeah. that's basically like Ben Brown First numbers. Like he kicked six from eleven. But yeah. that's the thing. He's just a physical guy, and they were talking after so text after the game, and he was just laughing. He was just like, "I just he was, did you see him out there? Just a big yeah, he just smashes, <laughs> just smashes <laughs> through." Yeah. We we were like watching it. We were like, "Oh, this is actually pretty." Stick great. an elbow but out every now and then. Like those, I said, he's got the he's got a, a bit of pav about him. Yeah, when I saw him the first, he's just got the real big thick legs, and a lot of like Frio people were talking about. Maybe them Fremantle drafting him and coming from Adelaide, they were saying, you know, I'd be like Pavara, but whatever reason they didn't. Um, and saying that Frio's um, pick two and five are both looked pretty. Uh, Brayshaw and Chera both played well on the weekend, but yeah, he's he looks like he could be a good player in the future if he keeps developing. But you look at the difference between those three that on they were up in the top probably like five players. To, maybe not Fogarty, but he was. All right, um, and then in your bottom three of Richmond were like the Castanias and the Townsends, who do shit usually, but yeah, they just yeah. obviously a big, big stage. Yeah. Richmond only had off. like six goal kickers or something. And so. Jacob Townsend was averaging like five goals a yeah. round I, last year. I've always thought Richmond have had players that are relatively inconsistent, like yeah. you know your Ellis's, like um, yeah, Brandon Ellis is always he can play, but he doesn't do it or doesn't turn it on all the time. And they've always had those kind of types that <coughs> really uh, can only kind of play the game when it's on their terms, I think. Well, they only had one bloke that got over 20 possessions, and that was Martin. So that's pretty bad. Hmm. Not getting their hands on the footy. So yeah. I think they'll be okay still, but I do think they need Martin they will, a little bit they, more help. Yeah. But obviously, they showed they won the premiership last year. Their yeah, team right. hasn't really changed. Um, Adelaide, obviously. Adelaide are still missing Crouch. Yeah. Eddie but they got Bryce, Bryce Gibbs has been big. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. One I mean, Matt him. Crouch went out in the first, second second quarter as well. So yeah. yeah, the fact they had Bryce Gibbs was probably like the best thing they could have. If yeah. they didn't have Gibbs, they probably would have lost. But yeah, they, they get Lynch bacon. back in there, and then Eddie Betts finds a bit of form. I think. Yeah, yeah, they, Eddie's struggling. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll move on. So the next thing that we're going to discuss, again, a couple of things that have to do with the Monday Easter Monday game, which was probably the best game of the round. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is Geelong's big three. This is the first time we got to see Ablett, Dangerfield and Selwood all together. And, I mean, they didn't disappoint. Don't, they, don't you mean Ablett, Dangerfield and Tim Kelly? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tim Kelly is a good player. But, um, they're top three possession getters for their team and they were super-duper effective. Um, drifted. Some of them drifted in and out. Like Dangerfield kind of drifted in and out a little bit. Ablett was pretty consistently good for most of the day and uh, Selwood sort of worked his way into the game. They each scored goals. Dangerfield got two. It's a shame he didn't get three. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if they looked good. I thought, um, obviously, you know, I think Hawthorne was up most of the game, weren't they? Yeah, Hawthorne was up yeah, big in the second up. half. They sort of got out to two big leads. Geelong reeled him in once, then they put it out again. Geelong reeled him in again. And they were able to just get over the top. But I thought when Geelong made their runs, it was basically those three guys. And uh, I don't know, do you, Croft, do you have any thoughts on this? I keep yeah, I, we, were, we were obviously watching the game together. So I, I was saying a lot that they just looked really messy when they had a string of possessions that didn't involve Selwood, Dangerfield or Ablett. They just looked fumbly. They weren't hitting targets. And it was like you could really tell the difference 
when those players weren't involved in the chain of handballs or kicks or whatever it was, so they weren't used as a target. When they weren't in the area, it seemed like the rest of the team was struggling. Um, you know, you got the the likes of Tui, I think, who's always pretty clean and a good user of the ball, but it's usually in that middle of the ground in that transition area where if you don't have one of those three in there involved, it just seems to break down. So that's what I took from it. The other one was, yeah, obviously we had a bet on Dangerfield kicking three goals and in the whole last quarter, he looked fucked. Like he looked <laughs> off yeah. his feet. He wasn't like he wasn't spreading from stoppages. He was like, he'd get the ball, he'd give it off and then he'd just walk with his hands on yeah, his he's hips. He's putting in a lot very of frustrating. Like win it, but then he couldn't follow up the way normally would. That's the thing, would. like I was just thinking then, like do they have, have they set up like some kind of system that, essentially they're thinking the same logic as us not obviously saying the players you guys are shit give it to them <laughs> but if Selwood and Ablett are around the ball does Dangerfield just kind of like peel off and do his thing like a bit off it yeah. doesn't feel the need to just like chase it down I think what probably happened was he was probably due arrest in the forward line and the game was so close they were probably oh, we they can't afford we can't it. afford to give you that rest you need so he ended up you know yeah sell it, getting rid of all these petrol tickets <laughs> one thing I noticed a bit like uh, upon reflection on the game and it's kind of makes the uh, the Ablett recruitment maybe a, a bit of a strange one. Like obviously he was probably going to come there or retire and I can't remember what they ended up giving up to get in there, but pretty sure it's fuck all. yeah, but he's pretty old. And if you look at their team, they're actually pretty young as a team. They lost Mackey and they lost uh, Lonigan last year. And on the weekend, they didn't have Henderson or Harry Taylor. So their back line was super young. You had uh, Zach Guthrie was on roughhead in the critical play that cost him the game. Yeah. Um, you know, they got Collar Jasney down there. They're playing Cam Guthrie as like a halfback because he's probably one of their other guys who is a decent ball user. Yeah. But apart from that, they were pretty young back there. Um, so I'm sort of thinking... There's a lot of hype, obviously, about, oh, they're going to be hard to beat because they got those three. Yeah. But beyond those guys, they don't actually have a lot of players yeah. that are in their prime. They've got, they've got like wise. a premiership, like, veteran side, and then the rest are, like, developing players almost. Well, like. Yeah, they, well, they don't have very many. If you look at their team, they've got Abbott, Dangerfield, Selwood. They're obviously all in their prime, or you could probably say Ablett's, like, just past his prime, but he's still, he's still basically good. in his prime. Yeah. If he just gets injured sometimes. Zach Tui's probably in his prime. Cam Guthrie's probably in his prime. I think, like, even Tom Hawkins, I think, is probably past his prime. He seems like he's yeah, he didn't not super effective as, as he was when like he, he had a couple back. of breakout years. <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't know, like, Men- Menzel's been playing well. He's probably in his prime. But apart from that, there are other guys. Like, look at the other guys that played in the weekend. Corey Gregson, Nakai Cockatoo, Jed Buse, Fogarty, Parsons. Henry, I don't even know who Henry. I couldn't pick him out if he lined up ten guys in front of me. Um, Tim Tim Kelly was one of their best players, but he's like a first year player. You know, Menengola, he's been around, he's always going to be like your your mid tier, like a B grade midfielder. He's he's good, a solid player, but he's not a star. Who the fuck is Rus- Zach Guthrie, star, Mark Mark O'Connor. Um, you know, they had a lot of young guys. Yeah. That's that's a lot. That's yeah, a big percentage yeah, of the yeah, team. Yeah, like Mitch Duncan. And then yeah, so Mitch, in, you get Mitch so. Duncan back in Henderson. They're two clearly. Uh, upper level players in their prime. And the other one that came in is Harry Taylor, but I think Harry Taylor's just hanging on. Yeah. So even then, I don't know that depth wise if they're going to have enough to actually win this year against like they'll they'll beat the teams they should beat 
just on the pure talent of those three, it provided they're healthy. But that's the thing. Last year, we didn't think Geelong played very well and they finished, they, like, what, yeah. third, second or something? Second, I think. Yeah. But, but they it, sucked a dick in the finals. So. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like... When you play I, good, that's what I'm saying. They'll beat teams that aren't, like, other top four teams because those three are just so good. They're going to dominate that area of the ground. But against other teams that are good or even against just teams that have a good midfield or a good midfielder, like Hawthorne, they're going to find it tough. Yeah, well, Hawthorne kicked pretty inaccurately too, but the the fact is that I just think that the three of them are pretty solid together, but it's it's almost becomes a bit of a flu thing where you just three people dominating the ball too much is yeah. is just too much. You can't rely on them that well, all the time. There's going to be injuries and all that sort of shit. Their midfield's their best area, I think. When they get Duncan back in and if Tim Kelly can keep playing at this level in the first part of his career, then you're looking at being able to have... Ablett, Dangerfield, Selwood, you probably have two of the three in the middle at most times, one of them up forward, and then the third person in the middle is either going to be Tim Kelly or Duncan. Whereas on the weekend, they didn't really have that extra person to go in there that they could count on. Yeah, That Menangola goes in there a bit, but yeah, they they probably need those guys back. They're going to have to be totally full strength because they don't have the depth of, of talent. They've got the top-end talent, not the depth. I was honestly surprised when they didn't put Dangerfield down forward for a lot of the game because usually he is that. Well, apparently he played fifty percent of the game in the forward line, but it seemed uh, like he was. It seemed like he was missing. He was missing game. for a long time. The second half of the game, he seemed to be in the midfield a lot. Yeah, especially the last quarter, he's never. Holding it just seems to be that one. Yeah, when we needed him to kick just, a goal, he's yeah. kind of like <laughs> the Dustin Martin, who's kind of around, and he even takes like big contested marks in the forward line, and it's just like, why, why though? Yeah, <laughs> just just fuck on your bets again. Yeah. All right, the other the other side of this game was Hawthorne and Tom Mitchell. And you look at his stats and he was he had the most goals for Hawthorne. A few guys had two, but he had two. And the most possessions by a mile. We had almost double what Jaeger Amira had. And Jaeger Amira's played had a pretty good start this season, just as a side note. But so Tom Mitchell's had what did he have round one? Fifty seven or something? Yeah, fifty four was it? Yeah, fifty he had fifty odd something. And he had forty yeah. this week. <clears throat> and he's clearly uh, impactful. I mean, his possessions are pretty much split down the middle, kick to handball ratio wise. But you know, so was Gary Ablett's. Do you think? What do you think about like why aren't teams tagging him? Should they tag him? Would Would you tag him, or would you tag other star midfielders? Like, what's the What's the line? How far does he have to go before you say, "Well, this is too much. We've got to try and restrict him"? Because obviously, it's complex, probably for Geelong, because if they have the big three in the centre, you don't really want to sacrifice either of any of those guys to tag Mitchell. You want them, yeah. you back them in, you think they're all as good or better than Mitchell. But here, here he, he is being the most impactful player of the four of them. Yeah, well, I think it's it's basically that thing where like, you know, how back in the day, they see the danger field be Fife, everyone tries to match the other other person's best midfield midfielder with one of their own. So... You've got the depth in Ablett, Dangerfield, and Selwood like tagging him almost. But as you said, like they're, it's going to kind of take them out of the game. But you can't not tag him. Like Mitchell gets the ball forty, like he got forty times, and he's everywhere as we saw him on that game. Yeah. He just pops up and seems to even if he doesn't look like he's supposed to be somewhere, the ball ends up just direct like directly bouncing yeah. to him. I don't know if it's just luck. I think some you, some of it in that game. There was a few times where he was kind of lucky. Where he there was one stoppage particularly. It was in the forward fifty. And he ended up kicking a goal out of it. And Selwood, they showed it before that like Selwood had his arm across him for the stoppage. So he was trying to obviously 
yeah. impede him. Yeah. The ball gets tapped to the other side of the stoppage. Selwood, as he would, sort of follows the ball and it ends up just spilling out the uh, the other way <laughs> straight into Tom Mitchell's hands and then he snaps a goal. So that's the kind of thing where there's not much you can do about that. But it's still the skill to be able to gather the ball in one grab and finish. Yeah. But yeah. obviously him receiving and it there was Just a in terms of like the numbers, right? If you look at Tom Mitchell getting 40 disposals and people saying they're not impactful, like if he has a disposal efficiency of like 50%, that's still yeah, 20 good disposals. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. That's a normal person's like yeah. average game of disposals and he's getting like 50% of it. But he had pretty sure it was up in like the 60s or 70s in terms of efficiency. So that's like 30%, that's 30 disposals that yeah. he's going to a target that he means to. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the time, like you see like accumulators and it even happens with Tom Mitchell, like they get those really unnoticeable possessions. But he also just, he also gets really, really uh, handy clearances. Like they yeah. le- directly lead to goals. And I think like I saw a couple of those on the weekend, uh, also on Monday. Um, and that's when I kind of, because I was even thinking that like last week after the 54 possessions, I was thinking, you know, how many of them are, are impactful? So I pay a little, little bit more attention this week. And he does impact the game. Like you can't really question that. So, but the other thing is like tagging isn't in vogue at the moment. So even this is going to raise the question, the coaches are going to start going, well, can we get a tagger? Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if when Car- Carlton Hawthorne rolls around, if Ed Kerno isn't tagging mm. Tom Mitchell. It's like the flavor of the month has just basically worked out for Tom Mitchell to absolutely like rack up and dominate the possessions. Because I just looked into it then. He's had nine score involvements both games this round. So like that's that's like pretty mm. much if Cyril kicked every one of his goal, every one of his possessions to someone as a goal, a goal assist, like that's pretty crazy. Obviously, it's not directly an assist, but he's doing something. Mm. I think he's <sighs> clearly he's. Impactful. He seems to be getting a lot more of the ball in, like, in the attacking half. Clearances, I think, are pretty hard. That's probably the hardest thing to tag away, because a lot of that's like where the ruck tap goes. If you yeah. can get your hands to it, so if the they get a clear, if they get a clearance, they're usually open. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're out wide. And the, well, the clear like center square clearance is the ones where like if you, you're going to tap it and ha- like, you can be on someone, they can still get it and get the ball away. So that's yeah. going to be the hardest to stop. It's the possessions out in the open that you can stop. I think last year tagging came back in. A bit after being out for a couple of years, but yeah, I haven't seen too many, haven't seen too many games this year where there's been the full-on tag. I think. Nah. Well, I think Geelong played Young Kelly on him for a little while. Yeah, and if that, but was, they were matching up around the stoppages on yeah. him, but then in general play they weren't. Full. I don't think that was a hard tag or yeah. anything. And that was just to stand next. If to they him. were playing on each other, like Kelly did well considering how much of the ball he got. So. Yeah, but like I think Nat Fife got tagged. I'm pretty sure in round one. I can't remember who it was from Port, but they they tagged him. Yeah, I think Ebert was on. Five, yeah, five. guys that go forward and take marks, they're probably more likely to like get someone that can follow them down and play like a defender. I think with Mitchell, like I'd tag him if I was playing against Hawthorne, but it's a hard. Like I probably I wouldn't tag him. So if I was Geelong or if I was um, Chris Scott in this game, what I probably would have done is if you had on the, in the possessions where or the the moments of the game where you had your big three in the center, I would have just said to sell, like just one of you guys have to be body on body with him at the clearance. And then I probably would have played, and this, Chris Scott may have tried to do this, but I probably would have put Menegola on the wing and said, you tag Mitchell. So as soon as it breaks away from the center square, Menegola goes to him and the other midfielders just play head to head, whatever. But I probably would have, him or, I mean, 
I would say Guthrie, but they didn't really have a lot of guys kicking the ball out of the back line. Guthrie and two with only experience, so you wouldn't want to take him away from there. So probably, yeah, probably would have gone with Managola. They may have tried Kelly. They may have got Kelly to do it out of a as like a learning experience yeah, for him to see thinking, how a guy yeah. gets around it. But yeah. he seems pretty good at finding the footy on his own. And at the end of the day, a learning experience is obviously good for the young well, yeah, fella, te- but teaching, you lost the game. So. You know, teaching the a defensive style, like you know, if you're already a good attacker, you're good at getting the ball yeah. or whatever, it's really good to teach a young player. Uh, how to defend because that's generally the thing that yeah. uh, comes last. Well, also, you just follow, like see how a guy that just is able to find the footy so much, yeah, their running right. patterns and all that kind of stuff you learn. But that's that's what I would have done. I would have used Menengola coming off the wing or even as like a half forward or something, like starting on the half forward flank and just get him to run in and pick up Mitchell. But, you know, we'll, probably, we'll see if they do it differently if it's later in the season or in the finals or something. Maybe they'll You just, just. never know because like you look at the stats on this game and there were seven people from Geelong that got 24 plus and Mitchell was the only one in that category. Like Jaeger Amira second with 21 and all, all the Hawthorne midfielders got like, you know, high teens. And it's like, maybe the coaches are just looking at that going, well, they're just basically running through one guy. Like who cares? Yeah. yeah I guess if it's like, you look at the overall disposals. Yeah. And like Geelong and say, smashed well, them, I'm pretty sure. Like, look, you're just looking at there. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy that the they've their big threes averaged like around thirty five or something like that, and Mitchell's the only one over that for Hawthorne. So, yeah. I, I just I'm not looking forward to if Mitchell injures himself, Touchwood, yeah, because <laughs> that's like I I think it'll be a good thing for them because I mean if you if you get to mid season and somebody goes oh let's pressure, let's really put pressure on Mitchell so that his disposal is, you know, whenever he gets that ball he can't get rid of it or you know whatever but you're gonna find that those hawthorne midfielders that haven't been getting the ball all year will probably end up be ball watching yeah they'll probably be oh yeah mitchell will get it yeah and you then once they, once, uh, once the other team starts pressuring him then it's going to be detrimental to the team yeah so, so if you look at the overall possessions and you say oh hawthorne's getting 100 more possessions than us then you'd be like okay well mitchell getting big numbers is a problem but if it's they're still getting the same amount of possessions he's just the one that's getting it more that's when you'd probably say, well, would you rather Tom Mitchell have 40 possessions and Isaac Smith have 20 than let them have 30 each? Yeah. You probably wouldn't want Isaac Smith to have the extra 10. So then it's the kind of thing, are you staying off him and guarding your man? But I still think like he's winning the ball and he's kicking goals. That's the main thing. If he yeah. wasn't kicking any goals, then I'd say, all right. Yeah. But he had nine inside 50s, which was the most yeah. for Hawthorne. So he's, and Isaac Smith had eight. So Isaac Smith in... 20 less possessions only had one less inside 50. So you can see the difference in like a super damaging run and carry guy, but still nine inside 50 is a lot. So you, you pick your poison, but I think you, you just try and restrict him. Force, 13 force someone else well, to, to so. beat you. All right. Well, that's pretty much what we'll do for that one. Um, now, if you've, if you've got one, we'll hand over to a bit of Croft's cookage. Is your cooking something up? Yep. This is, this is a good one. Because we talked, we spoke about this last week, and we were really excited about that Good Friday football. And yeah. fuck me, it was a shit game. <laughs> like seriously, who fixed that shit? North Melbourne, St Kilda. That was fucking trash. Can't, I the, there, nobody was there. And you see, like nobody went to the fucking game, and it was just a horrible game of football. They both played shit. North Melbourne got got the win, which was surprising. It was an upset, but nobody cared. 
Like, it was such a bad game for like a Friday. Like, I wouldn't put that shit on a Friday night, let alone a good Friday football. Boring. There's been yeah, boring it was, teams. It was boring. Did they do... I don't know if anybody can check. Did they do... Are they trying to make this a tradition? I think... Is it St. Kilda, so. North Melbourne yeah. tradition? Oh, well, Which is it. a horrible, yeah. horrible one. you got two teams that are... No one... Like, North Melbourne never get people to come watch them, even when they're good. And they're not good. Yeah. They were good on the weekend, but credit to them there. But they don't get people through the gates... And St Kilda have lost two of their biggest stars retired at the end of last year. And even though they've got some good yeah. young guys, kind of Jack Steven or whatever, but they need to be against someone a bit better. Like, or at least someone that gets people through the door, like Collingwood or something. That's in, I mean, I know Collingwood get all the marquee, like Anzac Day and all that kind of stuff, but there's a reason for it. And obviously there's an argument of like, well, maybe if they give more high-profile games to North Melbourne, then more fans will turn up. But I, they're, no, they're not. Like, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people complain about, say, like, the Thursday night round one opener, Carlton versus Richmond. But yeah. most of the time, it's a pretty decent game. Yeah. And um, then the crowd still turns up because they're two big support-based yeah. clubs. But if they, for example, were both bottom-dwelling teams at one stage in the future, I would be against them changing it. Like, you know, be smart about it put uh you know the blockbuster games in the blockbuster time slots well also round one is always there's always that excitement of the first game and you you don't know for sure even if you think a team is not going to do well you don't don't know for sure if they're bad so that's all right but this is like with two well obviously something like two rounds in yeah but it changes you should have known you get excited for North Melbourne ones that makes it a weird thing because I thought it was going to be bad because I thought North Melbourne would play horribly they actually won you get excited for five terrible. five days straight of football and then you get Friday and you're like oh, I'm just going to go get some fish and chips yeah, it's <laughs> well last year um, it was North Melbourne v Western Bulldogs on oh, Friday so night so it must be North Melbourne thing ah, okay, yeah. but like as you said that would have been equally boring yeah it was like three. it was a three point game but that was during the time where they had close wins but I just think, is it like a thing where they're like not trying to, they're not ready to fully commit to like high profile games on Good Friday because they're not okay. sure of like people being able to watch it during the day and stuff like that. Like, are they trying to be religiously sensitive? So they're like, oh, we'll put an average game on there <laughs> and then be like, if people don't want to watch it, they don't have to. They can there go they celebrate. Go. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be, uh, that'll be us done for another episode. So. Remember to get on there and vote if we if we've set a poll up so that we know poll. what yeah. you are interested in. If we're you gonna... liked this sort of style, or if you preferred what we did last week, or you want to just go back to last year and just have us talk for ages, yeah. we'll we're going to put our longer. tips up on the website. Yeah, and we'll put our tips up on the website, so we're not going to do them here. We'll we'll put them up and post them as we did last week, even though we did them in the podcast as well last week. Yeah, we hope you enjoy and uh, yeah, another week without Nico, but as usual, keep well, keep well. Look at